And now, The Mentors Radio, one of the most popular and unique shows on the air today. Here each week, remarkable CEOs and leaders, including hosts Tom Laurie and Dan Hesse, and their guests will mentor you, challenging your thinking about life and work. Sought after for their ethical leadership and advice, and for helping others succeed throughout their careers, now these same CEOs, the mentors, want to help you achieve your highest level of profitability, success, and personal fulfillment in life, at work, and in business. Learn more and check out the show notes at TheMentorsRadio.com. That's TheMentorsRadio.com. And now, here's your mentor. Hi, this is Tom Laurie. Welcome to another edition of The Mentors Radio. I'm going to be your host today. Today, deception, hidden agendas, disregarding commitments, blaming others, trusting none except those who are in the inner circle pervades every aspect of our lives. What do we trust? Who do we trust? It is a question that most of us are facing today on a daily basis. When there is a lack of trust, we pay dearly, both as individuals and in society. To discuss this today in great detail, our guest is Stephen M. R. Covey, a name synonymous with leadership and trust. He carries the legacy of his late father, Stephen Covey, whose Seven Habits of Highly Effective People uh, was an international bestseller, and he's following in his footstep, revolutioning the world of leadership, with his own best-selling book, The Speed of Trust, which has transformed countless lives and organizations. Today, we're going to tap into Stephen's wisdom and delve into the heart of his new book, Trust and Inspire, which is an antidote to what ails organizations, markets, and society today, an antidote that will show we can unleash the greatness in others, in teams, and in organizations, and in our society. So let's get on with it. Let's welcome Stephen Covey. Welcome. Hey, Tom, great to be with you. Excited for today. Well, thank you for joining us. And let's get started by, um, I think, a good place to start. And we'll kind of go back to your first book, Speed of Trust. Yeah. And that is, how do you how do you define trust? Well, how, let's, let's wrap something around the whole definition of trust. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe this is the most simple definition we might give. By trust, we simply mean confidence confidence that comes from both the character and the competence of another or of a team. So when we trust someone, we have confidence. We have confidence in their character. We have confidence in their competence, their ability to deliver, to perform. Their character is kind of their integrity and their intent. And and, uh, that gives us the confidence versus the opposite of trust, we might say is distrust, is is suspicion. Suspicion is another way of saying distrust. So confidence versus suspicion. And that's kind of a simple way of looking at trust. But but where does that confidence come from? It comes from both character and competence. Both are vital. If you have one, but lack the other, at some point, we'll lose the trust. And were you surprised by the success of Speed of Trust? Um, I'm certainly humbled by the success and grateful for it, but in some ways, um, some ways not surprised in the in this sense that we look around and it's a low trust world, and you know it's what you started the show with of all around us is you know hidden agendas and all kinds of things that scream distrust. And so 
This is kind of the environment in which we're operating. The world in which we're living is a low trust world. So this is on everybody's mind and it's ubiquitous. And because of that, it matters. It, it's significant. And so um, what, what I'm grateful that Speed of Trust has been able to do is, is take a, a challenge, a low trust world, and try to give, like, like you were saying, an antidote to that distrust, a way of counteracting it and of intentionally focusing on how we can create high trust, even in a low trust world. And so maybe that's the excitement for me is that there was a breakthrough in that people gained confidence and, and hope and belief that, you know what, you can counteract this distrust that's all around us and build trust on purpose, build it intentionally. That's been the exciting part of, of, of this work is that trust is learnable. It's a learnable skill. It's not something that you either have or you don't. That might be your starting point, but you can move the needle on trust when you understand it. And we'll talk a little bit about moving the needle as we go on. So, I mean, I read Speed of the Trust when it came out, just knocked yeah. my socks off. It is just, you know, a lot of it's common sense, but you somebody yeah. it takes somebody like you to put it together, like Clay Christensen, who you may know of, did I, a great I book called Clay. The Innovator's yeah. Dilemma, which he took something a lot of people were feeling and he put it on paper and everyone said, wow, there it is. There it's it is. So, Absolutely. And same thing with trust. And 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 I did I did know Clayton. He was a mentor of mine. You know, he he mentored a lot of people. And and um, but yes, it's it's common sense, it's just not common practice. And so my real goal was to try to make common practice of these common sense ideas. Because in a sense, all of us kind of intuitively understand why trust matters. Because we've been there, we've had high trust relationships. And we've had some low trust ones and everything in between. And the difference, the contrast in these relationships, high trust versus low trust, it's palpable. It's tangible. And we all know it. We've all been there. So this does kind of tap into that, you know, it, it impacts all of us. And so if we could do something about this, if we can build trust on purpose and create it and grow it, you know, for, for each of us as a leader, in our relationships, one-on-one, -on, -one, on a team, between teams, in an organization, in a culture, what an advantage that would be. And that's what Speed of Trust was all about, of trying to equip people, give them tools to build trust on purpose. So when the book came out, and obviously it's a gigantic hit, it's still selling well today. What, what was the big learning that you had after the book came out? I mean, the re you got a tremendous response, but there must have been a big aha or big learning in all of that. Yes, I'd say two things. First is that people really resonated with there being a business and leadership case for trust. It's a little bit like the Clayton Christensen thing. Once you see it, you say, aha, look, high trust is a dividend and low trust is a tax. That was the idea. And people resonated with it. I gave them a, a language for what they um, kind of intuitively understood and a framework, a way of thinking about it, but they got it and they got it fast because they had their own experiences and it gave them a framing of it and, and a language to describe it. And so that was the first kind of breakthrough was how tangible and practical and real this was. And the second was th this last idea I just mentioned that, that you can do something about this. <laughs> that you can build trust on purpose 
through your credibility and through your behavior. And that was exciting for people because too often trust was seen as you either have it or you don't. It's either there or it's not. And and I and I was saying, no, that's your starting point, but you can build trust intentionally and you can get good at this. You can behave your way into greater trust and turn it into your greatest strength as a leader, as a team, as a culture. And when you do it, when you build that trust, then nothing is as fast as the speed of trust and nothing is as profitable as the economics of trust and nothing is as energizing as a culture of trust. Well, that takes us to your new book, Trust and Inspire. So how does the new book differ from the speed of trust? Well, the new book is kind of building upon these ideas, but then it's moving into kind of leadership and leadership style and you know how we lead today and and um and so it's operating with the idea that trust is a is a basic currency of this leadership but it's moving into the style the way that we lead and in that i'm trying to contrast the old traditional model of leadership what i call command and control in all its iterations including the the best version of that the more advanced, most sophisticated version I call enlightened command and control. <laughs> There's a far better version. It's not just the authoritarian top-down command and control. It's actually moving into where I, I I recognize things like emotional intelligence and strengths and and mission and things. It's just though my paradigm hasn't shifted. So I still view people as things. Well, let's let's come back to that. We got to go to break. Okay. Uh, We've just scratched the surface of trust and its impact on our lives and leadership. Stay tuned as we continue our conversation with Stephen Covey. Go to our website, thementorsradio.com. Click on the list of shows to listen to past shows. Subscribe while you're there if you don't, so you don't miss any future shows. This is Tom Laurie. You're listening to The Mentors Radio. And now... Back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. This is Tom Boy. If you're just joining us, we're honored to have Stephen Covey with us today, an influential thought leader on trust and leadership. Remember, you can also listen to this show or any previous show via podcast on iTunes, TuneIn, Spotify, Google, and more. On any device at any time, you can subscribe at thementorsradio.com. So as we get into this uh, leadership aspect, and uh, can you give us an example of, uh, and we'll go into deeper in a minute, but give us an example of somebody, and I'm thinking of somebody that runs Microsoft, uh, who turned around an organization with um, trust. Yeah, absolutely. You're thinking of uh, Satya Nadella, the CEO of Microsoft, who is a good example of the kind of leadership I'm talking about. You know, the old model being command and control, the new model I'm describing as trust and inspire in contrast to command and control. And so Nadella, when he came in to Microsoft a number of years ago, you know, Microsoft's still big and and have, have a lot of market share and the like, but they were not quite the cool place to work anymore, <laughs> losing a lot of people. And not as innovative as they had been in the past. And, and um, you know, still a good organization, but not, you know, fading compared to where they were before. In comes Nadella with a completely different way of leading, both in terms of how he saw people and how he led himself. 
And, you know, he saw people had greatness inside of them. And he had a growth, you know, adopted a growth mindset, not just for the top leaders, but for everyone. He saw the potential, the greatness inside of his people. So that was kind of his starting point, the paradigm, the mindset. And then he himself, he modeled the behavior that he wanted to see. He modeled both humility and courage. He modeled empathy as well as performance. He modeled authenticity and vulnerability. He went first. He he trusted and extended trust to people because he saw the greatness in them, the potential in them. And, you know, they moved from a managing model to a coaching model is part of this extension of trust. And then he inspired people by, he inspired them both through his caring, caring for people and building a sense of belonging, but also by connecting people to purpose and to meaning and to contribution. So he modeled, he trusted, he inspired. Long story made short, he took what was had become a, a, an internally hyper-competitive cutthroat culture where people were leaving and not innovating and, and turned them into an extraordinary um, uh, organization that was winning with the work in the workplace with their own people, a high trust culture with collaboration and innovation, not perfect, but a high trust culture. And then they began to collaborate and innovate and reinvented themselves completely. Today, they're a cloud powerhouse. They're one of only two companies in the world valued at over $2 trillion. He unleashed the greatness of his organization by first unleashing the greatness of his people. And he did it through his style of leadership. And by the way, I would add to him, to, to him, Kathleen Hogan, who is the chief human resource officer for Microsoft, who is his right-hand person every step of the way. Between Satya and Kathleen, they modeled, they trusted, they inspired. They were trust-inspired leaders that were able to unleash the greatness, the potential inside of this organization. And so that kind of leadership is what brings out the best in people. People today don't want to be managed. People do want to be led and they want to be trusted. They want to be inspired. This is Tom Bloor. You're listening to the Mentors Radio Show. We are with trust and inspire author Stephen Covey. So you talked about this cutthroat environment that you, that existed before he came in. Yeah. So how did he go about changing that? It's one to say you're going to unleash the greatness. Uh, you have a uh, so how do you go? Uh, it starts at the top. Did he work the middle? Did he go to the bottom? How did he, how did he unleash that? How did he? Tra- tra- I mean, that's a massive transformation. Massive transformation, all of the above. But I'll say especially, he started at the top, went first. He modeled the kind of belief that there's enough for everyone. I mean, why do things get competitive? It's because there's a scarcity mindset or mentality that creeps in. You know, the whole, all of economics is based upon scarcity. But while scarcity might be good economic theory, scarcity is lousy leadership theory. Abundance is a far better approach because there's an abundance of everything that we're seeking, of respect, of creativity, of empathy, of compassion, of commitment, of inspiration, of trust. And you can model this. And and so that's the idea that he had a growth mindset, not just for the, quote, high potentials, but for everyone. And someone would come to him and say, hey, I've got some people on my team. They don't have a growth mindset. He'd put that on the leader saying, 
Your job is to help them see the potential they have in themselves. So that reflects more on you than them. Help them come to see it. So he believed in everyone. He modeled this. He went first. And you get this kind of tone set at the top and an expectation that this this is how we do this. That can have a profound impact. And, you know, they adopted three words for this, you know, which was model, coach, care, which is my version of model, trust, inspire. And, and, um, and And they really played it out at every level, but it started, it accelerated because he was going first from the top. And it's easier when that's the case, right? When you have the sure. CEO leading out. It's a lot harder when you're in the middle and the CEO's not leading out. So then you try to do it within your circle of influence. Um, and maybe you build a high trust team in a low trust culture, but you you are being a model of what's possible. And a model can become a mentor and you can ripple out from there. So when it starts at the top, it's it can go farther faster. So let's talk a little bit about some of the barriers. And when you were talking, the one that I came to mind right away is fear. Fear of losing control. How do you, I've met many people in my career that have this control orientation. How do you, how do they get over losing control? Because they feel they're going to lose control. Absolutely. So that's, you know, this side, you know, is really what's keep people, what keeps people away from trust and inspires. What if I lose control? See, in command and control, by definition, control's in there, right? And so, but what, here's the idea. Trust and inspire still has control. It's just a different kind of control. Rather than being control through micromanagement, you know, hovering over, top-down type thing, the control is through the agreement that you build together with the people that you're trusting. You build an agreement with clear expectations and with an agreed upon process of accountability to those expectations. And if you build this agreement upfront together, the control is in the agreement. And then suddenly it's agreements that, that govern and the agreements that build control in and the culture begins to build control in. There's actually more control in a high trust culture than there is in a rules-based culture. Well, let's, we're going to have to break, we're going to go to break, and we're going to talk about those agreements in a second. It's time for a brief pause. Don't go anywhere. When we return, we'll dive deeper into Trust Inspire Philosophy of Leadership with Stephen Covey. Remember, you can listen to our Saturday broadcast anywhere in the world by going to San Francisco, 860 The Answer. This is Tom Laurie, and this is The Mentors Radio. And now... Back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. This is Tom Laurie. We're in the middle of an eye-opening discussion with Stephen Covey, where we're learning how trust is the currency of influence. So we were talking about, you were talking about agreements. Let's talk a little bit more about agreements so we can bring this down to a practical level. I'm a, I'm running a company uh, or I'm running an organization or even in a family. I think these are what you're talking about works everywhere. Let's talk a little bit about these agreements, how you reach these agreements. What's the process? What's what yes. do you recommend? Yes. Here's what I recommend. The main thing, the most important thing is to build the agreement together with the other person, as opposed to dictating the agreement. See, a command and control style just dictates the agreement. It says, all right, here's the expectations. Here's the accountability. You report to me and I'll judge you. Well, 
what they got right was you need expectations, you need accountability. But when it's dictated, when it's top down, when it's I'm the boss, you're the subordinate, I judge you, then there's not the same sense of ownership and commitment and creativity that's in that agreement. And the person doesn't feel, they don't feel empowered, they don't feel trusted, and they're not inspired. Instead, by contrast, if you build the agreement together, it's not what I'm doing to you, it's what I'm doing with you, with each other. We're partners. Yes, I'm going to extend trust. And when I extend trust, I don't just do it blindly. I do it smartly. And there's two elements to it. I need to have clear expectations. Of what are the results that we're after? And what kind of guidelines or parameters do we have to work within? And what kind of resources are available? So those are the expectations with a special focus on outcomes, on results, more than methods. So clarifying expectations, the first key element. The second key element is agreeing to a a process of accountability. In other words, how do we know how we're doing against the expectations? And, And so if you do this up front together, where you build the expectations around the outcomes, the results, what, what we're after. And then here's how we're going to judge. Here's a, You're going to assess yourself against these outcomes and then report back to me on how you're doing. Then suddenly you've shifted the focus of control from me governing and judging you to you assessing yourself against the agreed upon expectations and reporting back on it. It just looks and feels different. And the research shows that people are far more committed to performing and to delivering on the outcomes when they feel empowered, when they feel trusted. And they're far more apt to be inspired when they feel like you believe in them and trust them. But you still have control through the agreement. So you didn't just say, hey, I trust you, whatever you want to do. No, it's here's expectations. Here's accountability. We built it together. Judge yourself now against this. Report back on it. And, and it can work at every level. My, my father did this with me when I was a young boy in Seven Habits. He talks about the story of green and clean, which was how he taught his young seven-year-old boy, who was me, how to take care of our lawn, take care of our grass. And he, he taught me, you know, I want the yard to be green. I want it to be clean. See, those are results words. Then he trained me how to do that. This is back in the day before automatic sprinklers. So he, you know, he said, if I were you, I'd turn the sprinklers on, but you can decide however you want to do it. If you want, you can use a hose or buckets or spit all day long, as all, as long as the yard is green and clean. And then he said, now here's, I'm not your judge. You judge yourself, but against the green and clean standard. But every week we'll walk around and you tell me how you're, do, how you're doing against green and clean. He turned this job over to me with expectations, with accountability. And as a young seven-year-old boy, I rose to the occasion. Not, not at first. At first, I kind of squandered. But then I realized this is my job. I rose to the occasion. I took care of the yard. It was green and it was clean because he built an agreement. And I saw myself differently. He unleashed the potential that was inside of me. And I took responsibility. That's a simple thing with a, you know, a parent and a child. This can work in the home. It can work in on a team, in an organization. You build the agreement together, which enables you to extend trust abundantly, or at least more, more significantly than before, and still keep control. It's just the control has shifted 
from you hovering over and micromanaging to an agreement where people report on how they're doing against the agreement and they, they feel different about it and they produce better. The data shows about three times better outcomes when people feel trusted and they're more innovative and creative. They come up with new solutions you never would have thought of and they're happier and you've grown the person. So now their ability to perform has just gone up. And so it's a virtuous upward spiral. That's the power of trusting. But the key to trusting is to make sure you build the agreement together so that it's not a blind trust. This is Tom Laurie. You're listening to the Mentors Radio Show. We are with Trust and Inspire author Stephen Covey. Will you bring up, uh, on a, uh, I was in aerospace and then I got into healthcare. And I had the good fortune, I, it wasn't intentional, but I had the good fortune of ending up in a company called American Hospital Supply Corporation out of Chicago, which was founded by a the son of a Methodist minister. And it was highly decentralized. And I came into the division at the age of 24. Six months later, they moved me to Fort Lauderdale, Florida to take over an operation that was on the verge of being unionized, couldn't make a quality product. And they, um, uh, it was just in bad and losing money. And they put me in charge. Uh, I won't go through all the details, but uh, they gave me that flexibility. They trusted me. Uh, we didn't have a written agreement, but there was an implied agreement because the, my boss would come down from time to time. But uh, five years later, we totally revolutionized that plant. Uh, mm -hmm. With I was the quarterback, if you will. And it was the most profitable plant in the corporation. And we had people coming over from Europe trying to figure out how we were making these surgical instruments uh, at the quality that we did. So I, I personally know what you're so, But that brings lived up. It. I lived it. But the question I have, this whole thing about central uh, centralized corporations and I'm a big fan of decentralization. But you think about Microsoft and what you talk about. I don't know how they've organized, but. That gets, doesn't that get in the mix of how you, I mean, the structure of a company? Sure. And, you know, and, and also let me say this, that trust and inspire doesn't mean that there's not a structure or not a, um, a chain of command, if you will. I've been working with some chief police, you know, and you still got to have a chain of command, but you could have a chain of command that's command and control based or one that's trust and inspire base. So you still can have structure. Structure can be helpful. There's not a one size fits all. Um, there, you know, it's, it's nice. It's it perhaps easier if the structure tends to be a little bit more flat or made or more decentralized because it lends itself more towards this kind of leadership. Um, but I've also learned though, because I've applied this in military settings and in policing settings, that's very hierarchical that you still, even in a traditionally structured organization, you still can bring an element of, of a trust and inspire approach to it. And, and um, so I find that structure matters, but there's still room to navigate within that. And, and, um, and a trust and inspire leader can still have structure and they need structure. It's not just some, you know, uh, holistic and, you know, or anarchy organization out there. No, you still can have an organization. I like to put it this way. In a sense, Trust and Inspire is a third alternative. Um, think about it this way. Well, let's let's come back. Let's go, We're going to cut okay. the break here. We're going to be right back after a short break with Stephen Covey, and we're talking about the importance of trust and unleashing the greatness of others. This is Tom Laurie, and this is the Mentors Radio Show. And now... 
back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. This is Tom Laurie, the master of trust, Stephen Covey is our guest today and we're unraveling the magnetic force of trust and its unstoppable impact on innovation and collaboration. If you're just joining us, uh, we're honored to have Stephen with us and uh, we're talking about organizational structure, but I but I want to change just a bit before I, so I don't lose this. Yeah. What are you doing today? We got to get that on the record. What are you doing? And what is Franklin Covey doing today? What is, what are you managing? What are you doing? Yeah, well, Franklin Covey, um, our our vision is to be the most trusted leadership firm in the world and to help others build leadership inside their organizations. And because we believe leadership is the enabling art, it helps us do everything else better. It's a force multiplier. And if if and and what I'm doing is I'm focusing on the kind of leadership that is needed in our world today where so many changes have, have and are taking place. Um, and I call that trust and inspire versus command and control, which is not relevant very much anymore in a new world of work where you have remote and hybrid work and intentionally flexible work with these younger generations with completely different expectations of how they want to be engaged. You know, millennials, Gen Z, um, in as many as five generations with also the fact that Technology is changing, disrupting everything, and and um, and work itself is far more collaborative and interdependent. And people have choices and options in a way they didn't have before. So the old way of leading is not going to work in this new world of work. You can't command and control your way to a high trust culture that inspires, and you can't command and control your way to collaboration and innovation. So we need a new way to lead. That's where I'm focusing my energy is on this new way to lead. Trust and inspire. And how this is more relevant for our time. And you have at Franklin Covey a number of people that go out and work with companies, right? As a, in a consulting Absolutely. capacity. Absolutely. And I do it myself. And and um, in fact, I'll just share this experience. It will be back to what, what I'm talking about with this approach. I I recently was just in uh, Metzingen, Germany. And I met with um, the CEO of Hugo Boss, you know, the global fashion retailer. and and um, and they're into speed of trust and they're into trust and inspire. And here's the thing is when, when Daniel Greeter came in as a new CEO, this is about two years ago. Um, he was new. He comes in from the outside and, you know, this is a traditional organization, a German organization, a German organization, a German organization. So, you know, you know, it's probably more hierarchical <laughs> command and control and, and um, it's German and, and he's Swiss German. So he comes in and listen to uh, what he did. This happened uh, within a week of being on the job. He got his top 100 or so folks together. And he said, okay, team, we have a choice. We could spend the next year getting to know each other. You getting to know me, me getting to know you, deciding whether we can trust each other. You deciding whether, whether you can trust me, me deciding whether I can trust you. We can do that. And we'll waste a year. Or we can try, we can decide to trust each other from day one and start with that as a starting point. So I know where I want to go. Um, so, team, I want each and every one of you to know something. I trust you. 
please trust me back. Together we can build a new culture and we can do this fast. People were shocked because this was not the cultural norm or way. You know, you know, usually people would lead to suspicion until someone proved that they could be trusted. And he's saying, I come in and I lead with trust until you show me that I shouldn't. It was almost a 180. But people responded to this and they liked it and they reciprocated and returned the trust. They became more creative, more collaborative, more innovative. Long story made short. They created a five-year plan that had all the metrics of growth and market share and profitability, revenue, et cetera. So here they are two years into the plan and they're on year four of the plan. They're two years ahead of schedule. Daniel said, we are moving at the speed of trust and we are accomplishing all our objectives, but twice as fast because we trust each other and it's changed everything. And he went first. He led with trust and, and he's getting this kind of impact in a traditionally, you know, non-trusting environment. So this can work and, and it can work powerfully. You yourself, Tom, have experienced it when you were trusted what that did. I have. Yep. And so, and, and yet you can still have control. That's always the worry. So I'm going to go back to what I was framing before. Look at it this way. If you got command and control over here, I think the opposite of command and control is not trust inspire. I think trust inspire is a third alternative. The opposite of command and control, you might call abdicate and abandon. See, if command and control is excessively hands-on, abdicate and abandon is excessively hands-off. There's no leadership there, no vision, no direction, no expectation, no accountability. That's not going to work. Trust and inspire is a third alternative. It's hand in hand. It's with, it's partnership, it's inspiration. And it's a better way to lead. And we're doing this together as a team. It's what Daniel Greeter's doing at Hugo Boss, hand in hand. And in that extension of trust are expectations and accountability, which includes control. But you also, people feel empowered. They feel unleashed. They feel like they're being led and not managed. And they like that. They respond to that. They perform better. It not only engages them, it inspires them. And that's where leadership is going towards inspiration, which is beyond engagement. Now, the road through, you know, inspiration goes through engagement. So we still can focus on engagement. But there's something even beyond where people want to be inspired. And, and, and they want to have purpose and meaning and contribution. And we can do that as leaders. We can inspire. Inspiring others is a learnable skill. It's not just for the charismatic. Everyone can inspire. It's learnable for us as leaders. And that's the whole idea of trust and inspire. We model the behavior we'd like to see. We trust and we extend that trust. We become trusting as a leader, not just trustworthy. And then we inspire by connecting with people through a sense of caring and belonging and then connecting people to purpose, to meaning, and to contribution. And you call that the stewardship model, right? That's the stewardship model, the three stewardships. A stewardship is a job with a trust. So I'm curious, where did he come from? Did he get exposed? To, did he had tried this one once before yes. in another? Yes. Um, uh, you know, he'd been in fashion retail, so he came from the same industry, but different companies. But he was deep into Speed of Trust, the Speed of Trust book. 
And for him, all of it resonated. But what he really got out of it was that the leader goes first in trusting others. So yes, they need to show that they're trustworthy. And the speed of trust focuses heavily on how we build our trustworthiness, our credibility. But it also highlights how it's not enough to merely be trustworthy as a leader. It's necessary, but insufficient. As a leader, we also need to be trusting. Be willing to get right. it. Come and back right what, after a short break. And when we return, we'll continue with the Trust Inspire philosophy of leadership with Stephen Covey. You'll find all of our show notes and links at thementorsradio.com. When you're there, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any shows. This is Tom Laurie, and this is The Mentors Radio. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. This is Tom Laurie. If you're just joining us, we're honored to have Stephen Covey with us, an influential thought leader on trust and inspiration, and we're on how to unleash the transformative power of trust in your personal and professional life. So one of the things today, as a result of what happened uh, with the pandemic, is the uh, remote work. How do we, what are some suggestions you might have to build this type of uh, philosophy into your organization? And I love the idea of engagement because I think uh, most people know what is it, about 35% engagement factor for right. most, for industry. Anyways, I don't want to take too much time from you, but tell us about how you make this work for remote managing. Yeah. I recently just spoke at a CEO magazine conference on precisely this topic on remote work. I was the keynote and there was all these ideas of different models of remote work or hybrid work or intentionally flexible work. And there's a variety of different approaches and models of that can work. And, and there's many possible right answers of how we do it. But I'll tell you what is foundational and underpins any particular model, whether it be, you know, it's a hybrid model or all remote or some combination and, you know, two days in the office, three days apart, or, or, or you know, what, whatever model it be, is the foundational underpinning of it. Is it still based upon trust or suspicion? Because I've seen this. I've seen some people operating with in a remote model, but people, they're working at home, but they don't feel trusted. And sometimes um, so-called productivity software is put in that looks and feels like surveillance software <laughs> where people are monitoring my keystrokes and trying to, it looks like they don't trust me. And so people might be working remotely and still not be trusted. They're just being micromanaged from a distance. And I've also seen the opposite where people, you know, might be hundred percent remote and they feel completely trusted with clear expectations, with accountability. So the whole philosophy, the underpinning of this again, can be, am I trying to command and control or trust and inspire? And there's many possible right answers, but I think Trust Inspire is ideally suited for remote work and for hybrid work and intentionally flexible work. Because again, if you do what we talked about earlier, where you build that agreement together with expectations, with accountability, then you can trust people remotely and they report back to per the agreement. And whereas if you don't build that agreement very well, you're going to find that you're going to maybe feel like I have to put in productivity software to monitor how if they're working. Because a lot of people are worried that if I can't see them, how can I trust them? 
But I'm going to say this, if, if you're not trusting your people, you either have a hiring problem or a leadership problem because you're not understanding leadership. We need to trust. The key to the trust, though, is to build the agreement so that we have the control. So it's a smart trust built into agreement. And there's no better manifestation and opportunity for this than remote work or hybrid work or a trust and inspire approach to be the differentiator to make this work where people can feel trusted and you still have the control built in through the agreement that you build together. And so I think it's a great question. We're trying to figure out a lot of different models. What matters the most is what is your core philosophy? Do you trust your people and are you seeking to trust and inspire them or are you trying to just command and control them? That is matters most, even more than the particular structure you come up with or model you come up with. I think what you're saying is, tell me if I'm wrong, but and we only got 30 seconds left, but I think you can feel, most people can feel whether or not they're being trusted. Yep. Isn't that the essence of all of this? It is. You feel trust. And when you feel trusted, you feel inspired. And it brings out the best in you. When you don't feel trusted, that uninspires. That's uninspiring. And and we we give the minimum. We do what we need to do, but we leave so much on the table. Trust and inspire unleashes the potential, the greatness inside of everyone. Oh, great. You finished right on time. Thanks uh, for joining us, Stephen. We've been with Stephen Covey, and we've been discussing how you can unleash the transformative power of trust in your professional and personal life. If you've missed any of this show, you can find it on our website, thementorsradio.com, or at your favorite podcast platform. You can also find our show notes on the website. We'll also post the link to the books, both books. And um, join us uh, next week at the same time for the next edition of The Mentors Radio. And until then, this is Tom Laurie signing off for today. And remember to be all you can be and keep the candle lit for all who struggle in the darkness. It's been The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. To get more information about the program or a sponsor, to download a podcast of today's show, or to leave a question for our host, go to TheMentorsRadio.com. That's www.TheMentorsRadio.com. The preceding program, copyright CBJ, LLC. All rights reserved.